Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. to the Lord and thank Him. We serve a great God who deserves great praise. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Thankful for the Spirit of God that we feel is always evident in this place. Thankful for His promise. If you'll join me in the book of Genesis chapter 32. We'll begin at verse 24. Very familiar passage of scripture. It's a well-worn path. So I understand my audience. I know who my audience is, and I know I stand among people who are Bible readers, Bible scholars, studying of the Word, students of His Word. And so I don't want to presume to come before you with anything different or new or I'm not trying to breach this subject with a newfound angle or, or anything of that nature. In fact, you'll probably not hear anything tonight that you haven't already heard. But we need to be reminded of something, I believe. And I feel like the Lord will help us. Genesis chapter 32 and verse 24. The Bible says, And Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. And when he saw that he prevailed not against him, he touched the hollow of his thigh, and the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, the man, let me go for the day breaketh. And he said, Jacob, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, what is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel, for as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. And I want to speak to us tonight from a very, very simple subject, the power in holding on, the power in holding on. Can we pray together over the word, and let's ask the Lord to touch us together. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for who you are. We stand before you as frail flesh, knowing that we are unable to do anything on our own, God. But by your spirit, your word says that we can do all things. And so we're asking you, Lord, to let your power prevail. God, let your word prevail in this house and let your spirit rest upon us, both to hear, both to understand, God, and both to do. And we'll give you the praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing. Power and holding on takes absolutely no effort whatsoever, in my opinion at least, to quit something. Anybody can do it. Takes no skill or very little 
labor, if any, to just give in. It requires no expertise to, to give up, and so perhaps that's why so many do it. It's even easier to never engage in the first place, to, to just kind of sit out or maybe sit on the outskirts, never to enter the contest to begin with, to be a spectator or a mere commentator. Perhaps that's why so many do it. But spectatorship can't compare to involvement. And starting something only to quit cheapens the overall experience of the thing to begin with. It robs you of accomplishment. There's just something about seeing something through. There's really something about keeping with what you start. And there's power, I'm here to tell you tonight, in holding on. Now, it would be easy for our minds to kind of go to a certain aspect of life or perhaps a certain thing, like a job or sporting event or some other earthly activity. You could probably feel the blank in on that one. And I believe that there's application and there's truth in that as well. But what I'm talking about here tonight is something much greater than just mere etern- or, or, or mere, mere temporal things. What I'm talking about here tonight and holding on to is certainly more important than any job, than any activity, because what I want to talk about to us tonight is holding on to the plans and the promises of God. I believe that what I'm about to say is 100% factual because I have the microphone. But I do believe that everyone under the sound of my voice in this house and beyond, whoever may be watching this at a later date by way of our social media or our YouTube channel, but I believe that everyone on this planet has something very, very important in common. And that is that God has a plan and a purpose for each one of us. I hope I'm not the only one that believes that here tonight, that we are in a building together, and there is not one of us in this place that can say God does not have a plan for me, and God does not have a purpose for me, and God does not have a place for me, because God wants you in his kingdom. And God's promises are not made to end in void. What he says... What he does, what he begins, will come to pass because he doesn't make empty promises. God does not speak off the cuff. He's not in the business of making knee-jerk reactions. He doesn't say something and then regret it later. No, when he speaks, it is forever settled because he's methodical, he's intentional, and when he makes a promise, folks, he means to carry it out. God finishes what he starts. <laughs> Growing up, I always heard the words, if you start something, you're going to finish it. It wasn't an option. Whether it was football practice or whether it was a school project, if you start it, buddy, you're going to finish it. If it takes you the rest of the year to do it. <laughs> so maybe not to begin with, but it certainly was the eventuality And the man that we read about earlier tonight. This, I believe, became Jacob's mentality. In our scripture setting, we find that Jacob is left alone. 
He's, he's, he's sent away all of his traveling companions and his family from his presence. And we know that in this particular portion of Scripture that he's fled from the threats of a sibling that he supplanted. He's walked away from a contentious relationship with a father-in-law. It just seems to be Jacob's pattern. It just seems to be sort of his milieu, if you will, to just supplant, to trick, to perhaps manipulate situations. And now we find him as a fugitive. He's standing on the banks of a river. He's standing on the banks of a river called Jabbok. And he makes one of the best decisions that he has ever made to date. And that is Jacob entered into a season of prayer. How many know that that's the best decision that we can ever do in any situation? To go to God in prayer. And it's there what he intended to just be a simple late night prayer meeting became the spiritual fight of his life. Identified by Jacob in Genesis 32 and 30 as God himself. Hosea even making mention of him in chapter 12 of his book as the angel of God. Jacob wrestles with a man until the breaking of the day. Many contend, many scholarly men who have studied the scriptures use language that that uh, intend their belief, and I would believe as well, that this was not some allegorical situation that we can sort of kind of draw inferences from. But we believe, I believe, that it was a very real event. Jacob had an encounter with God in a very real way. Now, we got to think about this for a moment, where he was in the context of this story. Jacob Perhaps, and it would be plausible to, to think that someone was there to harm him. After all, he was fleeing away from very contentious relationship. He was already fleeing from a brother who had, who had vowed to kill him, to take his life. And so it was possible that Jacob thought that who was there was not there to help him, was in fact there to harm him. Perhaps someone Esau sent, an assassin, if you will, or something of that nature. But regardless of who it was or what it was. We know that it was an orchestrated event by the hand of God, and it was unlike anything else that Jacob would ever experience in his life. The word used in Scripture is wrestle. They wrestled until the breaking of the day. That word, interestingly, is only used one time, and it's here as a verb. In other instances of Scripture, some six times it's used as a noun, and it's translated into the word powder or dust. And so quite literally, the verb in this instance means that they were kicking up dust and they were making a cloud of dust by rigorous activity. So that right there tells you that it was a very real, factual event. If we further investigate into the words used here, I like looking at words and their meanings. We look at the Hebrew word used here is avok. It, it sounds a lot like the word Jacob. The word wrestle, avok, it, 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 it is a word play on the name Jacob. And in addition, it's a word play on the place and the scene where he finds himself at a river, Yabak or Jabak, if we would say it in English. 
That word jabak means to empty or a place of emptying. And so if I can say it like this, Jacob had a night-long wrestling match and a grappling match, striving, striving with all of his heart and with all of his strength at a place of emptying. It's here that Jacob comes to face with two very important things. It's here at this place that Jacob comes face to face with first who he was and he grabbed a hold simultaneously of something eternal in his life. It was here that he came face to face with who Jacob was and grabbed a hold of something greater than his life, greater than who he was, greater than what he had done and what he had been. Jacob grabbed a hold of something eternal and he just held on. He struggled through the morning hours until the sun begins to rise and appear on the horizon. And it's here where the angel does something very, very interesting. He says, let me go, for the day is breaking. Somewhere in the midst of the struggle, some, somewhere in the midst of all the exhaustion and the intense combat for reasons that we may only be able to offer speculation for, the angel, God, gives Jacob an option. In this moment, he gives Jacob an option to let go. In fact, he tells him, let me go. The day is breaking. It's here that God gives Jacob an opportunity to just get out of the fight. It's here where God gives Jacob the opportunity to let go. But something down on the inside of him Something began to rise on the inside of Jacob that says, No, I have come way too far to let go now. I've held on all night long. The sun is beginning to rise and it is way too late in the game for me to let go now. I will not let you go somewhere in the inside. Even though it hurt, even though it was a real struggle, even though it may have been easier to quit. Hear me now. Jacob said, I refuse to let Go. I'm not going to let you go. I am not going to give up. I am not going to lose my hold. I am going to hold on. And so through the pain, he just held on. Through the struggle, he just held on. Although it had been all night and he was tired and weary and it would have been easier to let go, he just held on. September the 2nd, 1987, a commuter flight for Eastern Express Airlines for, left for Portland, Maine, for the city of Boston, Massachusetts. The pilot, Henry Dempsey, and the co-pilot, Paul Boucher, thought they had heard a strange sound coming from the back of the plane a short time after takeoff. They knew that whatever was making that noise didn't sound familiar and it wasn't right. They heard it again. They wondered, what in the world is this? So Dempsey decided to investigate. He, he had no idea the series of events that would then occur and forever change the course of his life. 
Henry Dempsey was about to experience terror beyond his imagination. As he reached the tail section, the plane hit an air pocket. Dempsey was tossed against the rear door, and he quickly discovered the source of that mysterious noise. You see, the rear door had been improperly latched prior to takeoff, and when he hit it, it suddenly flew open. Instantaneously, he was sucked out of the jet. The co-pilot saw the red light indicating that the door was open and radioed to the nearest airport requesting permission to make an emergency landing. He reported that the pilot had fallen out of the plane and he requested a helicopter to search the area of the ocean. After the plane landed, ground crews discovered something utterly astonishing. What they found was not only remarkable, but it was absolutely unbelievable. In it bordered on the miraculous, but what they found was Henry Dempsey holding on to the outdoor ladder of the aircraft. Somehow, after being sucked out of the plane while falling to his eventual death, he caught that ladder and he held on for 10 minutes as the plane flew 200 miles per hour at an altitude of 4,000 feet. And when the plane touched down while traveling close to 100 miles an hour, his head missed the, the ground by six inches. It took personnel several minutes to pry Dempsey's fingers from the ladder, understandably. He survived that entire ordeal with nothing but a cut hand. Can I tell you something tonight? Henry Dempsey was holding on with everything he had. Henry Dempsey was holding on with more conviction than he ever knew he had within him. He was desperate and he was committed to live and not die. He believed that if he hung on to that ladder that he would in fact live and he would not die. He had a conviction on the inside of his heart that said if I hold on, I live. But if I let go... I die. I wonder how many people I've gathered here tonight that's got it in their heart and in their mind that I've come too far to give up now. If I give up, if I let go, I die. But if I can just hold on, I can live. <laughs> Jacob had already received a touch from God. God had already met him. God had already spoke to him. God had already touched him. But Jacob knew somewhere down inside that's not going to be enough. I need more. He knew that without the blessing, he would, he would never be whole. And so he just declared, I'm not going to let you go unless you bless me. You see, if he let go now, he would only be defined by the touch and not the blessing. Jacob understood that without holding on until that blessing came, the entire ordeal would have been for nothing. Whether he let go in the beginning, whether he let go in the middle, or whether he let go in the end, if he didn't get the blessing, all of it would be for naught. Something even more significant, in my opinion. The angel said, let me go. You let me go for the day breaks. 
We often talk about the tenacity of Jacob, and rightfully so. We're doing it here tonight and in this moment, and his ability to hold on and to fight through. But hear me now, that's not all that was going on in that wrestling match. Jacob was not the only one who was holding on, because the angel said, let me go. Can I tell you tonight that God makes covenants and he makes them in a lasting covenant and many times in scripture he says repeatedly I will establish my covenant with you. In the book of Ezekiel God called it an everlasting covenant. That means that it is eternal. It is never ending. It is ongoing. It will be forever. And God says if anybody is going to let go, Jacob it's going to be you if anybody lets go it's not going to be me it's going to be you you see God could have ended this contest at any moment and any time and he could have stepped off the scene just as miraculously and 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 still as he did when he stepped onto it but he didn't. He could have left that moment. He didn't have to tell him, you, you're the one that's going to let go. He could have just let go. He's God. He can do whatever he wants to do, but he didn't because God is not in the business of letting go. God is not in the business of starting something and not finishing it. That's why Paul could write to the Philippians in Philippians 1 and 6 saying being confident of this very thing that, that he talking about the Lord which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ he didn't say he might or he can or he may will but he will if you'll just hold on if you'll just put your hand in the hand of the master and not let go he will start what he he will finish what he started because he's not in the quitting business he doesn't quit and so we too must hold on to the promises of God God is not slack the Bible says concerning his promises if he was then we wouldn't have just a few of these things if he was slack concerning his promises there would be no Abraham if he was slack concerning his promises, there would be no Isaac. There would be no ram caught in the thicket by his horns. If he was slack concerning his promises, there would be no tabernacle. There would be no ark. There would be no Red Sea or no Jordan. And there would be certainly no promised land. If he was slack concerning his promises, there would be no Calvary and there would be no empty tomb and there would be no hope here in this building tonight. But he is not slack concerning his promises because there wasn't Abraham and there was an Isaac and there was a ram that was caught in the thicket there was a Noah and there was an ark and there was a water that they were saved by and there is hope in this building tonight because he's not in the business of starting and not finishing we gotta remember he's the alpha and he's the omega he's the beginning and he's the ending he is the author and the finisher of our faith and so we can't forget that in all the perseverance, God, God is still holding on to us. In all of the perseverance that we feel that we are 
exerting of ourselves, God is also seeing it through because that is just what he does. And hear me tonight, very simply, this is not complex. If we will see it through, if we will hold on with a tenacity in our heart, a miraculous change will come. If we hold on to the promises of God, I say emphatically, they will never fail. They are in Him, yea, and they are in Him, amen. That means that they are yes, and they are settled and done. And so if we'll just hold on, God will perform the miraculous. If we will just hold on, God will perform the supernatural, and it will result in a miraculous transformation. Because God did, in fact, bless Jacob. He changed his name. And a name change in Scripture we know always denotes more than just a name change. But it denotes a character change. That's not all. Jacob was left with more than just a name change. He was left with an indelible reminder of his encounter with God. Genesis 32 and 31, the Bible says, And as he passed over Penuel... The sun rose upon him and he halted upon his thigh. It was the touch of God. It was a reminder that he would never, ever not understand and know and always be reminded forever of his mark of experience. A reminder to onlookers that he was no longer that man. He was no longer the same, but it was a reminder of a humbling episode at a night, in a night at a river called Jabbok. It's interesting to note that the angel asked him, what is your name? He didn't forget who he was wrestling. God didn't just all of a sudden forget who he was talking to. The angel knew. God knew exactly who he was encountering. He knew who he had a hold of. But hear me tonight. It was important that Jacob know who Jacob was. It was important to know who Jacob was by Jacob. And yet another moment to give up. We don't want to be faced with who we are because that's where it gets hairy. You ask the question, I hope that's not mine. We don't mind calling out all these other people. We don't want to be faced with who we are. And so here we are again. Another moment within a moment within a moment within a season of time, another moment, another opportunity to give up. To get honest with God, huh? To, to tell him, he already knows who I am. Yeah, I know who you are, but you must know who you are. You've got to get honest with God so that God can reveal both himself and you. You see, Jacob had to come clean. Jacob had to empty himself out at the place of emptying and, and come clean with who and what he had become in order to move forward into what God was wanting and calling him to be. Another moment. Another moment to give up. Another moment to let go and say, nah, I don't want to go. I don't want to do this. This is getting a little too close to home now. It'd just be easier to let go. But he didn't. 
just another moment within a moment that he would have that he could just let go of everything and just go back to being the same old Jacob and go in the other direction. I don't have to cross this river. I got things back here. I've got cattle and I've got servants and I've got a big old family that I can deal with back here. I don't have to just go forward. I can just give up right now. But he didn't because right here is where he was faced with himself and it was here where he learned humility. It's here where he vocalized. I'm Jacob. I'm the heel grabber. It's here where he said it out loud. I'm the trickster. I'm the tr- I'm the surplanter. I'm the manipulator. I'm the one that tricked my brother out of the birthright and then stole his blessing. I'm that guy that spent the better part of my life attaining the upper hand by trickery and deceit. Another moment to give up and to give in, but Jacob didn't give up. He just kept on holding on and he just said it out loud. I am him. I'm the trickster. I'm the supplanter. And God answered, not anymore. Not anymore. Thy name shall be called no more, Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. You're not Jacob anymore. You're not the trickster anymore. You're not the supplanter anymore. You're Israel now. Your God prevails now. Your God has it all in control now. And when Jacob refused to let go and to come clean with who he was, it created the atmosphere for God to change him. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the power in holding on. Holding on even though it's tough. Holding on even though it doesn't feel real good at this time. Holding on even though it's dark and I can't see the horizon. I don't know what's up and I don't know what's down. I don't know what's coming but I know that God is faithful and I am going to hold on to the promises of God even when it looks as if there is no way they will ever come to pass. It is that refusal to quit that quite simply will just take us from where we are until the end. It is that simply if we'll just hold on we can travel from where we are and in the current circumstance to where God has called us to be. We have a promise. He said it in Jeremiah 29 and 13. It wasn't a maybe or a hope so and he said ye shall seek me and ye and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. The writer of Hebrews, he kind of just shored that up a little bit. And he said that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He's not just elusive. He's not just hanging out in the dark shadows. But he said, if you'll seek me, I'm going to give you a promise. You're going to find me. If you'll knock, I'm going to open it unto you. If you will just do what I've called you to do, I will do do for you. There is just something about seeing it through. Jacob would leave that meeting changed. But that would not be the last struggle that Jacob would face. He would leave that meeting a new man. But that is not the end of the story. You see, the next morning he would look over the horizon. And he would see 400 men alongside his brother waiting for him to cross that river. 
naturally he was afraid. Naturally when he saw this organized mob of men, the questions must have filled his heart. Wow. When I left, he was by himself. And now there's 400 with him. What does this mean? Is he going to exact the revenge that he so, so desired and declared that he would do? Well, naturally, those are the feelings. Naturally, those would be the questions. Will he kill me? Will he do it quickly? Will he do it with agony and pain? Will he take his time or will he get it over with? But I'm here to tell you tonight, those questions were in the mind of the wrong man because Jacob was no longer alive. This was not Jacob now. This was not the trickster. This was not the supplanter. This was Israel. And no matter what writers may write and what people may say and continue to refer to him as, his name was now Israel and it was no longer Jacob. His name was changed. His, his attitude was changed. His nature was changed. And his character was changed. He was afraid, absolutely. But he entered this one a lot different than he, than he entered any other encounter that you can read about him previously he entered into this with humility and he entered into this encounter with honesty because he prayed again in Genesis 32 and 10 and said I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant for with my staff I have passed over this Jordan and now am become two bands deliver me I pray thee from the hand of my brother from the hand of Esau for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children and now hear this and thou saidest Lord he said this to God and thou saidest I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea which cannot be numbered for multitude Israel entered this encounter not Jacob Israel the new man entered into this encounter and not Jacob the supplanter I'm going somewhere tonight it was Israel that took the took the, the humble road down and bowed himself before God and before man and it was Israel that reminded God of the promise he was holding on to the promise last night but this morning he's reminding God of the promise he said humbly and rationally with honesty and integrity he said Lord Lord, I'm not worthy of anything you have to give me. I already know that. But you promise, Lord. I'm not worthy of your mercy. And I'm not worthy of your grace. But you promised me, Lord. You said in your word that goodness and mercy would follow after me. And so I know that I'm not worthy. But you promised me, Lord. You promised that you would make of me a great nation. You promised, Lord, that you would make of me a great nation that could not be numbered and so Lord I'm holding on to the promise and so the wrestling match ended but Jacob didn't let go still he's still holding on to the promise even though he's walking into turmoil <laughs> Israel approached God not Jacob Israel approached Esau not Jacob with humility with honesty and integrity. And here's the result. 
the result is forgiveness. The Bible says that Esau ran to him and fell upon his neck and kissed him and embraced him. Jacob said this in chapter 33 and 10. He said, Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen thy face as though I had seen the face of God. And thou wast pleased with me. When he looked into his eyes of his brother, he said, it's as if I see the face of God. That doesn't mean that Esau suddenly became God. It just means that Israel now could see the grace and the mercy of God as it was as it was undeserved and unmerited favor. Jacob absolutely deserved judgment, but Israel received mercy. You see, Jacob died at that riverbank. He died at that place. His nature died in that wrestling match, but Israel continued to the promise. Jacob can't go to the promise. Jacob and the nature that associated with him cannot move forward into the promise. Only Israel can move forward into the promise. So relieved of the weight that followed him all his life, he was now free to continue on his journey. While Esau began to move towards Seir, Jacob turned towards Succoth. And it was there that he built an altar and named it Elohe Israel, which being interpreted God, the God of Israel. Coming to a close, if our musicians will prepare. I'm here to tell you tonight, emphatically, without reservation, that there will be more than enough opportunity to quit. I do believe that the transpiration of this past weekend, the things that transpired over the weekend, gave me some sort of at least confirmation in what I was preparing for tonight. If you haven't heard the messages from District Conference, I admonish you to do that when they become available. The fact of the matter is, is that this is a good life, living for the Lord. But there will be plenty of opportunity to quit. The enemy will tempt. And the enemy will attempt to thwart always the plan of God. As will the possibilities of our own mistakes. Discouragement is a killer. And guilt can be a murderer of the plans and the promises of God in our lives but there are even plans within the mishaps or at least what we think are the mishaps in our lives because God has the ability and the power to make a miracle from a mess and to use anything in our lives to create beauty in the end 
And so we cannot get hung up on what is happening now. We can't get so hung up on the, uh, the events of the day or what even may be happening in our supposed future to derail our journey with God. Because with even the, the, the bad things in life, the good things in life are all mixed up and mangled together into what will become an ultimate tapestry of beauty in the end. But we have to hold on. These things that will occur in our lives will undoubtedly create scars, but even the scars can integrate into the story and produce beauty in the end. That is why the writer of Hebrews said in 10 and 35, Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise for yet a little while. And he that shall come will come and will not tarry. I want to say that again in just a little while. In just a little while, he that shall come will come. And so can I say it like this tonight? In other words, don't quit before you see the promise. And don't let go before it's time. Just keep holding on. And you will see a victory in your life. If you'll just hold on through all the pain and through all the heartache and through all the struggle, the up and the down, the wrestling, the striving, the contention, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. And He will perform that thing which he started and he will bring about the promise that he spoke into your life and here is the promise for us all and I end with this 1 Corinthians 15 and 51 through 58 stand with me behold I show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible, this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which give us, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And here it is. Here's the admonishment. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, 
always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And so I just came here tonight to say this simply. Don't let go. Don't quit before it's time. Don't give up. Don't let the enemy speak to you and try to thwart the plans of God in your life. And don't let everything that comes about cause you to want to let go and give up. I'm here to tell somebody here, whether you're in this building or whether you're watching by way of social media, you will never labor into the kingdom in vain. I say it with great confidence that you will never struggle in the kingdom for naught and you will never give of yourself or of your time or of your talent or of your resources that will not yield a return or a reward. It will come because he said in just a little while he that shall come will come. And so why don't we just make a plan here tonight right here in this moment. We've done it before but let's do it again. Let's make a plan that I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to let go. Even if I don't see a return on my investment immediately or even in the near future I am going to give all that I have and I am going to hold on to the promises of God because they will come to pass. Let's lift our hands in this building. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.